So the experts are saying young adults have a big problem, right? It's affecting their school. It's affecting their careers. It's affecting their relationships. And they say the best way for you to help is to quit helping. We're talking about it next on the Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Republican Speaker of the House John Boehner is criticizing President Barack Obama once again for not getting serious about averting the fiscal cliff. With the president dismissing the latest GOP proposal, Boehner says it's now up to the White House to come up with a solution if the administration is actually focused on avoiding automatic spending cuts and tax hikes. Apparently, the two leaders have not spoken in over a week, and there has been no communication between their respective staffs for days. Business leaders and Senate Republicans forced a courtroom showdown with President Obama today, challenging several surprise appointments made during what was essentially a Senate recess last January. The appeals court hearing the case will essentially be deciding if the president has the authority to make temporary appointments during a recess. The Senate is granted a vetting authority for presidential appointments directly by the Constitution. Citigroup is cutting 11,000 jobs and absorbing a $1 billion tax charge in the final quarter of the year. The CEO of the third largest bank in the U.S. says this is a logical move during a period of transformation for the bank. The devastating announcement comes at a tumultuous time for Citigroup. The former CEO was forced to step down last month just a day after higher-than-expected third-quarter earnings were reported. Citigroup isn't the only company cutting back either. The ADP National Employment Report shows a meager 118,000 jobs were created last month. The ADP report is closely watched as it is released just two days before the government's national jobs report. The less-than-expected number is being attributed to the effect Hurricane Sandy is still having on the northeastern U.S. It's not all bad news, though. There is a large service sector, and it's continuing to expand. Service sector forecasters say they expect more growth and more orders to flow into next year. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. I'll be taking you on this journey through the human project. We're trying to understand humans on this show. Apparently, there's a lot of them out there, and uh, none of us got a handbook. So we're going to use the next hour and a half to give you some tools, some ideas to lift your life a little bit, hopefully to save your children from falling off the fiscal cliff. No, that's that's already taken. What cliff would they be fo- following off the entitlement cliff? And uh, we're going to be bringing on an expert uh, who's going to walk us through how we may be setting our children up to fail because we are we're just giving them way too much. We need to back it down a little bit. We're going to be talking about that today. We're also probably we're going to play a game. I know that uh, it's a game about first world problems that uh, that we tend to experience <laughs> here in the first world. Give me an example of a first world problem. Your hand cannot fit into the Pringle jar, or the Pringle can. Okay, huge problem. Would it, would it be a Pringle can or a Pringle tube? It's a pring. It's a Pringle sleeve. 
Sleeve? Uh, that works with cookies. Cylinder. Cylinder? Okay. Cone? No. Okay, now honestly, why? First world problem. Why would they not make the Pringle cylinder bigger? Who has little dainty hands like that? Better yet, it should, like a cone, but the chips get bigger as it, so you start with huge Ooh. chips. I kind of like that. Wow. Oh, that sounds really yeah. good. I like the idea. <laughs> I like the idea that um, that it, you don't even have to put your hand in it, but that you it just you lean it back and it gently places it on your tongue, <laughs> like a little chip dispenser. Mm. Yeah, kind of like the Pez. But then how but can chips? you make like the little duck bill? Yeah, good point. Yeah, uh, well, I do that. I'm more worried about eating them. <laughs> I think there's going to be a day we're so lazy and entitled in the first world that they're not even going to give us a chip. It's just going to be a like a paste, and you just squirt it in your mouth. It's just potato Ew. paste. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Potato <laughs> paste. Potato paste. Hey, you mean hey. mashed potatoes? No, no. no trade oh, eating that Pringle <laughs> paste. Pringle paste. You don't even have to chew the chip. Who's got that it kind of time? Gross. It doesn't. It's actually really good. I, yeah. Anyway, uh-huh. so we're going to talk about the first world problems that only we can experience because, you know what, we're so spoiled and messed up. And um, not in a bad way, but just we're spoiled. So we're going to talk about that. But before we do, we like to do some headline news. We like to get into the headlines of humanity. I just made that up. And what we like to talk about here is the little things going on with people around the world and what lessons we're learning. Who's got some news for us? I have some news for Thanks, us. Sky boy. Um, there's a man from Maine. He's 49 years old. And since October, he has been living in the Boston Harbor out of his 14-foot, 40-year-old aluminum canoe that he often patches with duct tape when it's necessary. Okay. He's just floating in the He has like the There's Boston a picture. Harbor. He's got all his possessions in his canoe, and he floats around. And wow. when it's time to go to bed, he ties his canoe to the small offshore docks in the city's inner harbor, and he pulls out his tent, and he sleeps. Wow. Yeah. That's got to be freezing. So he's not actually uh, sleeping in the canoe. He he parks it at night. Yeah, he parks it at night. And he parks his boat? Yeah. And then it's, he... It's a canoe, right? 14-foot canoe. 40 years old. Wow. Well, what he, what he ought to he do... doesn't have a house? Or is I don't know. He, he takes the, the term homeless offensive. He feels like... Well, he's boat. He's got a home. He's, can, he's got a canoe. No, no he's, he's boat full. He's, he's boat full. Boat full, <laughs> homeless. Yeah. If he had a garage and a home, then he could put his boat there. But now he just has to park it, as you say, and sleep in his tent on the boat. Yeah. He just needs to gradually add on to his canoe as he's able to afford it. So you start by building a small kitchen yes. quarters on your canoe. A and catamaran. Then you time goes some... on, a small uh, sleeping area and a bathroom. <laughs> and then uh, depending as time goes on, oh, you can maybe wow. add on a second bathroom and a guest room. And then just slowly build onto your canoe you know as you can afford it. Well, he's duct taping it. So there's a point this isn't going to work. Poor guy. I mean, he. that's sad. He's floating. I mean, maybe he likes this. but that's... Well, he says he says it's about as safe as I could be. Oh, yeah. Who's gonna, uh, who's gonna, uh, I'm not sure what says, that means. He says that his biggest worries are the wakes of fast ferries and drunken boaters. That's his biggest worry. Wow. So... Boy, that's a different world. Yeah. That's not a first world problem. You could have that problem <laughs> in a lot of worlds. Water world, for example. Um, well, be it Boston, too. I mean, a lot of uh, second and third world locations are in warmer climates where yeah. living in your canoe. This is brilliant like, if you're in Hawaii. But that's cold. That is so cold in Bo- a Boston yeah. winter. Uh, okay, wow. That's, well, at least, you know, tenacity. He's got that. 
freezing. What you got for us, Robbie? Well, we don't have to worry about that gentleman being getting into overconsumption. But for the rest of us who <laughs> uh, have DVR boxes, TVs, and cable subscriptions, Verizon has patented a new toy to help us find new toys to buy. Really? How convenient. How nice of them. They want to get product research into... Let's say your house, Matt. Okay, let's say that. So instead of so Verizon just going to... pushing ads out to your house that would normally be part of the uh, programming, like commercials, hoping hit uh-huh. or miss that there's an ad that is reflective of whoever's watching. What if Verizon could know exactly who is watching, and better yet, what you're talking about, what you're doing? That's spooky. That's scary. I mean, on on the one hand, okay, I do look forward to getting. Ads that I will that will be I guess applicable to me relevant. That's good. Hold on, you actually look forward to it? No, but I really, really don't like waiting for you know two and a half minutes every ten minutes to sit through stuff that I just don't care about. Oh, and you'll still sit for two or three minutes of ads. They'll just be for it'll just be stuff I'm actually curious about. So So, where's this box gonna? It's a box. Okay, so your your DVR box that you have connected to your cable subscriber satellite. They aren't proposing any push out to customers anytime in the near future, but they've gotten the patent in Mm. case they decide to do this. You mount cameras and microphones on the DVR box that point back into your camera. And, yeah. and, and they're not alone. Com- Comcast and Google TV are kind of oh, playing with the same, the same idea. <laughs> Come on in, everybody. But the idea is that, for instance, if the box could kind of sense loud, angry voices, yes, it could give you an ad for marriage counseling. You could call our guest today. Which, which that's assuming a lot. Maybe it, we just like to yell at each other. Maybe we're just, yeah, maybe we're really aggressive communicators. If it detects a certain keyword, like you guys are arguing about what kind of pizza you want to get, maybe it could run an ad for pizza. Wow. Huh. Maybe it can sense that you're eating. Yeah. And so it gives you ads for restaurants or, or, or other things to fix at home. Sense that you're laughing or singing or playing a musical instrument. Push out an ad for a piano store. Uh, Maybe even determine, do you have a, a dog in the room with you? A big dog? You know, give you an ad for uh, the, the large breed dog ad. Or Well, really a, what's going to be happening is there's going to be a call center with a bunch of call center people sitting there watching you as you watch TV. And then these call people are going to like, hey, dial up. Alpo, and we're going to send the Alpo ad. That's freaky. Well, except they found a way to automate it, so that way it, yeah. they don't have don't to hire. That's what they say. People. They call that the secret service. In the well, CIA. it's it's okay because local media in Washington D.C. was concerned about this. They called up, uh, I believe it's Verizon, and Verizon replied. Verizon has a well-established track record of respecting its customers' privacy. Um, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> I'm one of their customers. I don't know about that. I'm just going to leave it there. Now that we leave microphones <laughs> and uh, cameras peering in, that's weird. I, I just don't really think that's Wait, a You know what? Because that's idea. the first step. The next step is the minute you're fighting with your wife, the counselor shows up at the door. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Townsend. Are you guys fighting? Do you have a problem have I can to, help you talk through right now? You have to be a cash on delivery type thing. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they haven't actually okay. mounted any yeah. cameras. And this is just a patent. I mean, Let's Toyota. a few years ago, Toyota patented cars that can smile. 
or a sense like if you're driving angry, the car could bend in a shape that looks angry. And if the, you're driving light and happy, the car bends in a wow. shape that looks like it's smiling. Sounds like the movie Cars. That'd be yeah, fun. You apply for patents that you never, ever, no. ever use. So, I mean, it may be one of well, these cases. You know how this would end up being used, though, is by the parents. Uh, because <laughs> the parents would end up stealing this great technology. And they would then do everything they can, apparently, to get you married, do you think? Who do you think are more eager to be married, college students or the parents of college students? Who are more excited about you getting married, college students? Well, I saw an article the other day that said actually the parents are— You think the parents— Well, only because I saw the article. I think in my case, my parents are pushing for me to get married more than I'm pushing for myself. But I did see an article— that said that parents are encouraging their children to not get married as quickly as they want parents to. Parents want to slow this baby down. I don't know because uh, your parents are probably eager to finally get you out of their house. Oh, they called yesterday. They're like, do something, Matt. Do something. Help this boy. Okay. All that I can say is like date night, you know, at the kid's house and there's a bunch of teenagers. Yes. Like even if the parents weren't quite looking in, but then they leave and they come back and it's like an ad for something. Some like breath mint. Yeah. You're like, what have you guys been doing? <laughs> yes. Or like, so you guys think about this. Think about your parents. Are your parents like pushing you? Come on. Are you dating anyone, Bryce? Bryce, did you have a date this month? Do they do they get into that and push on you? Are they trying? They want grandkids. <laughs> no, they already have two or three. Okay. They but are they pushing now. you? Do they want you married? Are they wondering um, why you're not dating? I think they used to. Um, I think they have since learned that. Uh, Don't mess with me. Well, the threat is, okay, if you really want me to, I'll just find anyone. And then I'll live near you. Oh, and then geez. and then I'll bring them around. Wow, that's okay. Look, I'm committed I've, to making a point. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Tobin, we are so behind you. We love you. We are doing what we can. Um, the national study found that college students think 25 years old is the right age to get married, while the majority of their parents feel 25 is still a little too soon. Parents are actually pushing back now, saying you shouldn't get married as fast as you want to, you silly college students, which is kind of the belief. The belief was that parents used to think, you know, parents were the ones pushing. Let's get you married. Let's get you established. Apparently not the case anymore. Twenty. Um, they did a study with 536 college students. Now, the study comes from some BYU professors in the School of Family Life. By the way, BYU was not one of the uh, universities sampled because we're kind of skewed. That's, that's very good. Yeah. Our kids, we get married about two years younger than everyone else, and about 25% of the people on the university records here at BYU are married. So, you know, marriage, we tend to, we tend to skew the data. But the data was taken at five other universities, and what they found out is parents are in a hurry. I mean, are not in a hurry to get you married. They actually, when the kids or the students say they're right age, whatever, like what age do you think we should get married, Bryce? Give me a number. 43. Okay, let's try you, Madison. I don't know, like 24, 25, I think. 24. Let's just say if you were going to marry your partner, how old would your partner be when you're 24? 26. Good. Okay, we're just checking. Uh, <laughs> sometimes it's a lot older than that. Oh, what would you that. say, Skyboy? Um, anywhere around 23, 24, 25. So you're noncommittal. Okay, <clears throat> 23 to 25. Yeah, 26. And on. And, and on. Okay, yeah. what would you say? Well, I'm 27 Robbie. now, so... How about 28? Yeah, 28. <laughs> 28 sounds good. Now, your parents, on average, would say two years older than the age you think you should get married. 
So 45 for Bryce. Yeah. I'm in luck. <laughs> Bryce is 45. <laughs> so isn't it interesting that maybe what, – what is it that parents see going on with us kids? Well, like I'm one of you. Um, I want to be. But what, what are they seeing? What are they seeing? I wonder this? if they regret getting married and if they Maybe got, it's yeah. regret. We'll ask Dr. Swinton this. What else do you think? Well, I, I think – Or they just the think time... that you're not prepared. Oh, always. But – I think it's by the time you have college kids, you're generally in your 40s and 50s. A lot of people by that point are on their second marriage. Yeah, so, that's true. Mm. They want to get these kids in before this <laughs> next marriage. Well, well, I, I think it might be they they may not have had the most fantastic first marriage experience. Yeah. And I could In fact, see how some they of the would. research does say we tend to bottom out at about 20 years is, is kind of the low point of our marriage and then it tends to get better. So maybe our parents are at a lower point of our marriage, and now they're just getting back. And so maybe they do have a little cynicism about marriage. A lot of the research shows that what they really feel is it's not the optimal time because they just think that you need to get your education. You need to be more established before marrying. Isn't that interesting? I bet you, you know, two, a generation ago, two generations ago, they were pushing to get you married. Get well, you married. Get you married. And never mind the statistics that guys' grades, I don't know about girls, but guys' grades get significantly better oh, yeah. in college when they get Your married. Your income goes up in almost every category. We've had that on the show. It gets. It seems to get better by being married, and yet they're so quick to – maybe they don't want you happy. I, I, but I bet like if you get married like when you're not well-established and then like you and your spouse have to go through that, yeah. I bet that would be like a big learning process for you. And maybe – I think you're right. And I think, yeah. And maybe this has a lot to do with the fact that we're probably fairly entitled. So a lot of us think we should have wow. certain things. Look at that segue. That was good. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a highly trained professional. That subtly segues into the rest of the show. That's uh, me saying, okay, shut it, everybody. We're moving on. Um, no, but when you think about it, maybe what it is is that we, you're all going to think you're going to still, you're going to go live like your parents. Which would be great because Skyboy's parents are doctors. He's a doctor and they live real high on the hog. And um, this guy's like, where'd you get that? But maybe what it is, we think we're going to have just exactly what our parents have. We should have it as soon as they had it. We should have the nice car. We should, maybe we're over entitled. That's what we're going to find out on the show today. (laughs) Right, Bryce? Absolutely, Matt. I also want to ask Dr. Um, Swinton why you would want to wait till you're 43 to get married. Well, I'm going to have him do a quick assessment on Okay. This will be fun. I'm all for it. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about this entitlement issue that's going on apparently with our children. Then we're going to take another break, come back with Dr. Jonathan Swinton. We're going to take Bryce uh, um, and do a little evaluation. And then we're going to take off trying to figure out how do we, in, you know, empower our children without creating a sense of entitlement. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Everyone knows that when you're flying in an airplane, ice on the wings is bad. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. High in the atmosphere, supercooled water droplets can instantly freeze onto an aircraft that the water strikes. Ice forming on the surface of an airplane changes the aerodynamics of the aircraft. Depending on the location, shape, and surface roughness, the newly formed ice can affect an aircraft's performance. Worst case scenario, it could even cause loss of control of the plane. 
but NASA is helping to stop ice buildup on aircraft surfaces long before you leave the runway. Actually, before the aircraft is even built. Since the 1980s, the icing branch at NASA's Glenn Research Center has been developing software to virtually model how ice forms on specific structural designs. With variables like temperature, water droplet size, and the aircraft's airspeed, this software is called LUICE. And it's one of the most widely used tools in icing research and aircraft design and certification. With the help of this software code, aircraft designers are saving hundreds of thousands of dollars in design and development costs. Aircraft, designed from the start with icing in mind, are making the skies safer. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. In such a fast-paced world, isn't it nice to slow down every now and then? Dean Duncan's approach to interviewing isn't about rushing through. He likes to take his time in getting to know his guests. Join us for This'll Take a While, weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about parenting and, uh, you know, how important it is to maybe be careful. We don't have to give our children everything that they tell us they deserve. And maybe we need to be able to set some boundaries, know, you know, know how much is pushing uh, and hurting them, how much is going to actually empower them, and how much is just going to weaken them. Because every little parenting decision we make matters. And in a weird way, I'm not sure we fully understand the impact that families have. So we brought Rob on, and Rob has been doing some incredible research, haven't you, Rob? Do you know the U.S. Department of Agriculture has a 30-page executive summary on all kinds of breakdowns of what it costs to raise a child, really? according to them? What does it cost? That's what I love about it, too. It's the executive summary. It's still 30 pages. but 30 pages is the summary. But they have a few nuggets that are just real uh, shockers in there. For instance, did you know that there's a correlation between the amount of money a family takes in and the amount they spend per child? Okay. So if I make $100,000, I pay – You spend a lot more on your child than if you made, say, 8000 a year. See? That is why you need to be an underachiever. <laughs> Underachievers have more affordable children. It's a it's a very uh, valuable report. Okay, that's true. Okay, that is what they found. But they what they did find is that the, regardless of income, kind of the breakdown per child stays relatively the same. So for 2011, what was the by percent per year? What was the number one thing you'd spend money on your child? On my child? Yeah. On my child? Yeah. Uh, insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Car insurance. <laughs> They're horrible drivers. So we spend a lot on car insurance. They crashed the $20 truck already? No. That's why we bought a $20 truck. <laughs> they crashed the other cars that are a little more expensive. Well, sample by sample, of course, it's going to be different. So what did they find? outlier housing. 30% just to put the kid under a roof. Really? So when they uh, say, you know, a meal on your plate and a roof over your head. Yeah. That's about uh, half of it right there. Wow. What about um, costs for uh, sports and athletics? 
That we, drops down to miscellaneous. That's actually of the uh, seven things they break it down to. That's sixth. Oh, so that's man. really not that big. Housing's number one. Child care and education is How number about two. legal? Uh, getting an attorney, putting an attorney. Miscellaneous. Yeah, okay. Just checking. So, so the most important thing is to house your child. That's expensive. The second yep. most th- important thing is to educate your child or get a uh, child care if you're yeah. at work. That, what's interesting, they broke that down from 1960. 1960, that was 2% of the cost of a kid. So education now it's almost 20. Skyrocket. It's almost 20%. Yeah, education and child care. Number three, feeding the child. Yeah. Uh, we have five boys. And what's interesting too, they have a, a break a breakdown by age. What what percentage goes to what really? at, at age? Does it say and how much I weight expected, of the amount of food they should actually be intaking? On the chart, you can see the the food section. Wow, has this big jump, and I thought, oh, I bet that's teenage years. Yes, it's age six. At six, they do start because they're growing. They yeah. start piling it away, and, and the the sliver stays about the same size beyond that. So, wow. kids don't start getting ravenous at thirteen; they get ravenous at about six. So, okay, what was – okay, so that's food. Food. Uh, next is transportation. Just moving your kid around. Really? That's a, that's a van? Yeah. That adds up. You car seats. Because you can't drive a Prius anymore. Now no. you have to drive a Suburban. Yeah. Because your kid does, don't fit and yeah. your stuff doesn't fit. Your gear. Fifth is health care. That's tied with miscellaneous, which includes – Everything else, attorney's Sports, fees. attorney's fees, stuff like that. Court-ordered mediation <laughs> yeah. and all that fun Tattoo stuff. Tattoo removal. And, and stuff like that. last is clothing coming in at uh, number oh, seven. Does it say what the average cost per child is? So it depends on the- Oh, how uh, much money you make. How much, and it also depends on the region, too. What's the most expensive region to raise a child? I would say the east- Northeast. Yeah, specifically the Northeast is actually quite a bit higher. Uh, on average, it's closer to uh, $17,000 per year per child. Wow. Um, what's the next region? Next region, most expensive California, West region. Yeah, and I think that's that's a fair – California particularly bringing that up. Uh, it's just over $15,000 per child in the West. Okay, what about the Midwest? Iowa? Midwest is next at about 13000 Almost tied the South, slightly cheaper, about uh, 12700 Mountain West? Do they uh, have that, that? They roll that into Midwest. Midwest. And then uh, rural, that's only like eleven grand. See? A lot cheaper to have your kid out in the country. But a lot of that is, again, 30% shelter cost. Right. And they also don't – yeah, they're probably making less maybe as a farmer out there just running their own property and trying to stay afloat. Isn't that interesting? You wouldn't think – now, this is maybe where entitlement comes in then because maybe it's – we're just such a wealthy country overall that we're giving our kids because we have the means to – more than really we should. Maybe we're buying our parenting. Maybe we're buying their love. The cost to raise a child in second world countries is substantially lower. In some countries, it was saying uh, $800 per child per year wow. uh, compared with our 15000 What about the guy who lives in a canoe? Probably... Oh, uh, oh, well. Well, he doesn't have a kid. But, if he, but did, if he did have a kid. He, well, he'd double his cost because he'd have to get another canoe. Another canoe. Yeah. That yeah. could really add up fast. And twice as much food. And then you got to worry about it. Just Maybe a bigger worry. tent. I think he should get out of the canoe before he has a kid there. That'd be a good idea. Maybe he needs to get something bigger, like a raft. It's something not more unlike a, a young, <laughs> hip urban professional who has the best studio. It's near all the fun places to go. It's in a great location. 
It's it's got a good price, good landlord. It's hip. It's awesome. But like the canoe, you eventually outgrow it, and you have yeah. to move out of the hip studio to somewhere else. You know what's interesting, too, is that uh, as my kids are – and I'm sure we'll talk about this with Dr. Swinton. As my kids are living in a home next to people that have money, even if you don't want to spend money, the kids see their friends having money. My kids are all telling me, well, everybody my age – Dad, everybody my age but one person has an iPhone. Everybody but one and that's the teacher. The teacher doesn't even have an iPhone, Dad. But the rest of us have iPhones. So guess what he wants? An iPhone? An iPhone. Here's the crazy, crazy irony. It's cheaper for me to give him an iPhone than it would be for me right now to let him keep using the, the phone he's using, which is a junker phone that our young kids take. Every, there's three kids sharing a phone. And whenever they're going somewhere, we t- send them off with a phone. But um, so now it's even now they're even marketing to me. Let's let's make it easier for Matt to just give these kids an iPhone. Well, it's not going to happen. I'm going to hold my ground. What do you think, Skyboy? I don't have an iPhone, so well, I think you need to move your family out to the West Side where I grew up. Yeah. We just got cell service. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. Why don't I just send them out with you, Robbie? Yeah, their uh, entitlement would really drop off fast. <laughs> you won't even give them real flour. Pasta for dinner <laughs> again. Okay, we're on it. We're going to uncover this entitlement generation problem. We're going to be talking to an expert, Dr. Jonathan Swinton, who's a licensed marriage family therapist, and he's going to help us sort through what's enough, what really are the boundaries. We'll be back. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sometimes it's hard to keep up with the latest news and research in pivotal societal issues. BYU's Wheatley Forum presents the research of leading scholars and experts in current social issues and events. Learn, explore, and discuss the world around us with The Wheatley Forum, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. New clashes in Egypt have reportedly become deadly as the country continues to fume about President Mohamed Morsi's latest moves. Hundreds of people camped outside the presidential palace Wednesday and clashed with police who fired tear gas into angry crowds trying to break down the gates. At least eight major Egyptian newspapers suspended publication yesterday in protest of Morsi's effort for a swift referendum of a new constitution, which many of the protesters oppose. A typhoon battered the Philippines with wind gusts above 90 miles per hour, killing over 280. Beach resorts and dive spots took the worst of the storm today. Roads are washed out, making it difficult for rescue crews to locate the hundreds of people who are still missing. The storm has also triggered multiple land and mudslides, both on the coast and around inland mining towns, cutting power and communication capabilities. Thousands of people have moved into shelters to await a chance to rebuild and much-needed aid. 
In the Middle East, another natural disaster is causing turmoil. A 5.5 magnitude earthquake hit Iran today, injuring at least 20 and killing five. The quake mostly affected a southern province near the Afghan border. According to local news sources, 12 villages have seen quake-related damages. Just last August, Iran suffered two major quakes that killed over 300 people in the northwestern regions of the country. President Obama is still trying to deal with the U.S.'s latest natural disaster. He now plans to ask Congress for $50 billion to help clean up after Hurricane Sandy. The amount is actually significantly less than the combined amounts requested by the governors of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Despite this, there is still likely going to be an uphill battle in Congress to get the funds approved because disputes over the fiscal cliff still have center stage on Capitol Hill. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, today we're talking about entitlement. And what better way to do it than to, to bring on a couple of fathers, a broadcaster, Mark Waits with us here, and uh, a great guest that we've got, Dr. Um, Dr. Jonathan Swinton, has a master's degree, a Ph.D. in marriage and family therapy, a, a, and a doctorate in license, and is a licensed marriage family therapist. Dr. Jonathan Swinton, thanks for joining us. Thanks We're going to pick me. this apart because... It's funny. I don't, Mark is a great guy. You're gonna Mark. Well, welcome. No. Uh, let's not go too. No, far. but you are, and you're a dad and a husband. I was a dad until three weeks ago. We just sent our youngest off, and now He's we gone. have. Oh, so you know you're still empty a, house, but you know it. you're still a father. No, 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 no. no. Once a We're father, done. always done. a father. They didn't die. They just went away. <laughs> they'll be back, Mark. <laughs> I'll see them again someday. Is that what you're telling yeah, me? Yeah, they'll be back. And then you'll be like, oh, I'm still a father. Yeah, make sure you're right while he's gone. But Mark, your hus- your wife is a teacher. She's a teacher. And you've seen this entitlement thing come up. Well, I'm the one who has to bear the burden of her unloading on me because, you know, parent-teacher conferences used to be something to look forward to. This is where you tell... The parent, little Sally's doing great. Yeah. She gets a gold star on her forehead. She's amazing. But it's now to the point where she's, there's a long line of people, of parents, who want to come up to her and ask, why is Jimmy failing? Why does Jimmy have an F? And it's, oh, very, yeah. it's a very simple answer. Here's the, here's the worksheet. Jimmy didn't do the work. That's why he has an F. Yeah, it's a like, simple equation. Especially I, the homework. The homework. Even, <laughs> even the classwork. Yeah. And if you're not doing any of the assignments that were agreed upon at the Jimmy's beginning of the semester, Jimmy has an F, and that's why he has an F. But then the teach the, the parents get I'm all defensive. Surprised. No, no, it's your fault as a teacher. Yeah, what you're, is your problem? You're not a good teacher uh-huh. because if you were a good teacher, little Jimmy would do the assignment. Now, now here's the caveat: she's not teaching trigonometry. She's the art teacher. She's teaching <laughs> ceramics. This is the fun class. Oh, this is the no, goof off class. But even are still, hard. <laughs> ceramics are messy. It's supposed to be fun, though. <laughs> But that's the problem. So, Jonathan, where does this come from? How, do, how does a parent do the mental gymnastics to get to the point where little Jimmy can't be held responsible for doing the schoolwork? And it must be somebody else's fault. There must be a scapegoat. It must be the teacher. It's got to be. And the whole system. Well, yeah. it's the whole education system. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, parents, I think, ultimately know they're the ones who raised this child. And if they're doing something wrong, they take it as a personal uh, problem that they've created. And so they don't want to 
think that their child has any problems. They don't want to think they've done anything wrong. That it's a they, denial? Yeah, sure, if you want to call it that. Some I of think it's ignorance, part. don't you think? I mean, it's like... I, I like I don't know. I don't I didn't know he was failing and then I go to this thing and I'm like, What? It's ceramics. That no my kid's gonna get it when we get home. But I right there might be like, No, why is he failing? Well, why? you know what are you doing to him? Yeah. The the big problem is is I think that often parents aren't willing to accept that it was their kid's fault that they got to that failing situation. Yeah. Um they're sure that it wasn't my kid's fault. My kid wouldn't have done that. Yeah, he's a good kid. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. So I it's can't get him like to empty they, the trash, but he's no. still a good kid. It, yeah, but they're, they're like, they, they don't want to think that he's got any culpability, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think parents, they, they love their kids. They think that their kids can be the best at any everything. I mean, sometimes they think that, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> depends on the kid. Huh? Yeah, there's other times it may be the opposite. But they are, the kids are an extension of the parents. So if, if right. this kid's not doing well. Right. What does that say about me and not my kid? No, uh, it's, not, it's not my kid, and it, it must be you. Yeah. But do some parents think that it's good parenting to shield little Jimmy from any discomfort? I don't ever? think they're thinking. Well, like, I, I don't think they think about it that way. I I don't think they look at it as I'm shielding them from learning some sort of a lesson that they may need to learn. I think they worry that if this kid doesn't get a great grade, they're not going to college. Short-term stuff. Right. And so I'm going to do whatever it takes to bail them out. Yeah. There's a a lot of kids that were going to fail that aren't failing now just because the parents insist little Jimmy will not fail. And so the the system buckles. They say, okay, whatever. Did you hear our – we just reviewed a study last – last segment about how now parents don't want their kids to get married as early. And it might simply be because they know that they've been sheltering them this whole time and there's no way they're ready. <laughs> like this kid didn't even pass ceramics. Yeah. So no way am I going to let him marry somebody and then have to take on a family. And I mean, it's a weird dynamic that's going on. It's You can be protective to a point, but eventually it's going to cost you. Yeah, it does. And it does cost, you know, it's interesting uh, in the field of research for for human development, they've found that the age of adolescence is getting older, that, that they're spreading researching adolescence into the mid 20s, where they used to end it at the typical 18 years really? old age. And there's been a trend that's happened over the past couple of decades that has reversed the previous 70 years of trends where Kids are relying more and more on their parents till later and later years. And we're still calling them adolescents because of that, I guess. Sure. Yeah. That, that researchers, for all intents and purposes, I mean, kids are acting like adolescents into their that's, early adult ages. That's scary. I blame video games. Do you? I blame. It's all the video games. It's, always the, it's that darn rock and roll music. See, it's finally catching up. My mom was right. But it's, it, that is scary. We're just kind of prolonging maturity. We are. We are prolonging maturity. It's happening everywhere. You know, even just as a recent hot topic example, we've there's been recent legislation that's changed that now kids can be on their parents' health insurance until their mid-20s. Interesting. Yeah. But it was so needed, yet is that just more enabling? Well... I mean, and, and you can get into that, but... Uh, yeah, I'm not here to argue the health insurance thing. No, but, but it's interesting, but it's in, in a way, I think of these guys that fought in World War II... And at 16, we're dying to get in, lied about their age at 17, and we're in the war, and we're back two years later, three years later, and living on their own and not necessarily relying on family. Yeah, yeah. it, it was the norm for uh, generations that 
you raised your kid to be ready to take care of themselves, to be self-reliant, to when they're 18, they're on their own. Yeah. And the kids expected they were going to have to do that for themselves. And the research has shown that ever since the early 1990s, we've seen a reversal in that trend that's actually it's a quick reversal where kids are expecting mom and dad are going to take care of me yeah. until I'm ready to be an adult. Well, you, there's the university. That'll kind of be an incubator for anywhere from five to eight years <laughs> to get your bachelor's degree. <laughs> postponement of reality. Once a, again. Another postponement of reality. And then if it doesn't work, come on back. I mean, hello. Sure. We're your parents. And, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of kids, it's not necessarily that, that they're thinking, I just want to rely on my parents. But they see they have these glory years they're going to get. I graduate from high school, and I'm going to go be the single guy or gal, and I'm mm. going to go live the single life. I'm going to party. I'm going to have fun. Yeah. And I get to have that before I grow yeah. up. Oh, I think you're right on. And I, I had my daughter. She graduated from high school a couple of years ago. And I'm like, you know, let's just – Let's get out there. Let's get a job. Let's get going. Let's just have something during the summer. And I'm trying to get her all motivated to get doing that. And she's, she's like, Dad, Dad, I need a break. I've been going for 18 years. <laughs> and I'm thinking, honey, you're just getting started. <laughs> you have no clue. You're a long way from you the break. You are just getting started. And she doesn't. They don't, they don't quite get it. So, I mean, and it's everything, too. I think we also put them in deep because we're, you know, we're putting them in debt, you know, they're getting school debt, they're getting loans, they're getting cars, they're getting – they're trying to live our life. There's so many things that we pile on them that maybe also just flat out – and just ways of thinking. Absolutely. Com- competition. Yeah, all those things. All those things are big issues. You know, that the thing I like to try to point to as one of the primary culprits is we as a society have really drifted into a what's in it for me yeah. society. And the kids see it everywhere. I mean, they are more in tune with the media – than anybody else is. Yeah. They're, they're exposed to it, and the media knows this. They convince kids that they want this thing. Then they convince yeah. them they need this thing, and then they convince them they deserve this thing. And if thing. you don't get this thing, you're a lesser Absolutely. being. Absolutely. Yeah. And parents, unfortunately, whether they realize it or not, they often feed into that, yeah. and they enable it. It's almost like – and maybe what it is is we're under-tooled as parents – to know how or what to do. I mean, maybe, we, and that's what I want to get into with you is like eventually after this block, let's come back and talk about um, what really are our roles? What are, what are we doing here? What, and what's the big harm? I mean, and how do you know when to draw your line and where you draw it? And what should be the battle we should be making? But deeper, I guess, what's the real cause? I mean, it sounds like some of the cause is just we're being outmarketed. Yeah, right. I think that's one of the big causes. I think parents – I think the biggest cause, honestly, is parents are afraid. Parents are afraid if they don't get their kids this thing, they're not going to be popular. Parents are afraid if they don't get their kid in every single competitive yeah. sports team that their kid oh, is so not true. going to succeed in their life. Pa- parents are so afraid of of making mistakes, of uh, – uh, of not giving kids the opportunities they need, of their kid not fulfilling everything they could, that they don't parent them enough. Yeah. Yeah. You think it's fear. Absolutely. I I think you're right. I think, you know, fear is is the most powerful emotion. Right. And I think that's the big culprit for parents anyways. Uh It's fear. Well, and then – so notice how weird that is. So you have the fear that's kind of ingrained. I don't want you to fail because of me. 
sure. not giving you every opportunity. And then you have the child that also knows how to create urgency. Absolutely. They're great at it. They're incredible. <laughs> so if they whine enough, if they complain enough, if they talk about how all their friends are playing. Yeah. So I, I had a son that I really thought probably ought not play football this year. He wanted to play football. Everyone's playing football, Dad. Everybody. And he really wanted to play. And in the end, I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know. He's so young. It'd be the youngest age to play. Let's just skip a few years and then pick him up when he's actually got sure. some muscles on his body. And, um, well, he didn't end up liking it. He actually ended up breaking his arm. It's kind of a bad omen. But um, he no still fun. did it. He did it. And, but there was so much pressure. Yeah. And then there's pressure from everyone else. And there there's is. Pressure and there is. You know, I mean, just think when I was a kid, I mean, I played rec league soccer and baseball. Yeah. And, you know, we played six games a year and we practiced once or twice. You got a maybe. T-shirt. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. we showed up on Saturday morning and didn't right. know who anyone else was on the team. And, you know, uh, kids now, everyone around them is trying to be the best at everything. We yeah. have a very competitive right. culture we've created for kids where they have to win. They have to be the best. They have to do better than someone else. And so they pushed because that's what everyone else is doing. Right. So then we have this fear. And as parents, boy, we, get, we just get sucked right into it. Well, let's take a break. We're talking with Dr. Jonathan Swinton, who's a licensed marriage family therapist. He's helping us figure out entitlement. Where do we draw the lines? When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about how crippling it can really be as a parent when you don't act like a parent. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Next, we'll explain how NASA software telescopes the waiting lines in hospitals so everybody gets their turn. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Of all the places to have to sit around and wait, a hospital has to rank as one of the worst. You're sick, you need a special x-ray or scan, so you take time off from work and schedule an appointment. But then a sudden accident fills the ER with unexpected emergency patients, and everyone's schedule gets disrupted. Getting all the schedules to line up again for all the patients and staff could take days or longer. NASA has already solved this problem. Only the waiting room was 569 kilometers up in orbit. The Hubble Space Telescope is a singular science resource, quite literally. One little peephole on infinity with a line of thousands lined up for their turn to use it not unlike an expensive medical scanning facility in a hospital. So it was logical that Hubble's flexible scheduling software be adapted to manage another kind of viewing resource. The software, called OnCue, already shows results. Staff overtime was reduced at one hospital by over a third, while seeing 12% more patients in the same time span. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Start your morning right by listening to Marcus Smith and the Morning Team. With news, current events, entertainment, and lively conversation, the morning show is here to kickstart your day. The movie will be better than the radio. No, 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 no. The radio is always best. The radio is always best. (laughs) Join Marcus and the team for the morning show. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
why turned into a much larger article for Psychology Today called The Nation of Wimps. And the short answer to that is that um, kids today have no coping skills because their parents take all the lumps and bumps out of life for them. They push them to achieve on the soccer field or academically. So they smooth the path for them. The result is the kids have no idea how to cope with the smallest difficulty and they fall apart when they hit a speed bump. Um, There's enormous confusion about what a relationship is and great unhappiness among these young people. And I know because they write me, I also write an advice column for the magazine. And so this kind of lack of commitment has sort of seeped down to different age groups. And I think it's having devastating effects on, you know, just take college kids who just don't even know, am I in a relationship or not? That's how much this lack of commitment has filtered down to younger people. They are unable to form committed relationships. Um, No one wants to commit. Everyone wants to keep their options open. I mean, that's one thing the cell phone has done. It's made everything very fluid. Uh, You don't have to commit to meeting someone. Um, uh, You just call on your cell phone and say, hey, you know, I'm on the corner. Meet me here. You can keep your options open to the last minute and notify someone by text message that you can't keep your plans. And that that really has tremendously interfered re- with relationships, which, as I said, are an important source of reward and happiness. And when they're not happening, it really dents happiness and feelings of satisfaction. That was a uh, an interview that we did on the morning show uh, with Hara Morono, who is a, a writer for Psychology Today. And she was talking about the impact, uh, you know, kind of this entitlement mentality we have as parents that that impacts our kids, it impacts their social relationships. They don't necessarily know how to to be places on time, to push back, and to make, um, you know, to, to, to do what they need to do. So it's a big deal. And right now we're talking with Dr. Jonathan Swinton, who's a licensed marriage family therapist, about entitlement. It's it's not just something we're, we're affecting our kids with today. How we handle this is going to impact their relationships long-term, everything. Absolutely. You know, kids develop uh, their, their habits, their social uh, identities at, at these ages when we're parenting them, and it sticks with them. Yeah, and if you don't have – I mean, kids need to run up on a boundary, right? I mean, they, they need to kind of know, oh, there's a hard boundary well, right they, there. Well, they don't think so. Yeah, they don't. They, <laughs> they absolutely don't. don't. So. But, yeah, boundaries are absolutely necessary, and that's what's falling apart all over the place is parents just aren't setting appropriate boundaries for their children. Yeah. What's the impact? I mean, well, how else does a lack of boundary impact a kid down the line? Well, I think one area that it really impacts them is they – they, they don't respect parents. They don't respect authority very well. They, they, they only learn to respect their wants. Yeah. Their need is supreme. Absolutely. That's problematic. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, they don't think so. Yeah, no, again, they think this is great. But the reality, they're going to run into a life where it's not even about their need. That, exactly. Exactly. And um, that's why I think, you know, adolescents moving into young adults are struggling some. Yeah. They, they haven't learned how to take care of their own need. Everyone's bailed them out. 
their parents have taken care of of anything and everything that they need when they didn't do their homework they call their parents called the teacher and yeah. worked it out for them if they didn't make the football team, then dad went down and talked to the coach or if they didn't play right. enough. Oh, I remember that. Or, um, you know, if I needed another, a better cell phone or I needed yeah. an iPad or whatever. Earn it. Well, <laughs> no, that's not what the kids want, that's right? That's not what we do because you're saying but, we, but all my friends have one. We keep going by what the kid wants instead of, I mean, there is a natural law. Law of the harvest, you reap what you sow, right? You get, you eat what you kill. Yeah. And, and in a weird way, we're shielding our kids from this. They, they don't know what sowing is. They're not, yeah, what is sowing? <laughs> yeah, we don't sow anymore, Dad. But it's a big deal. When, when your kid can't even go talk to the coach about not playing, yeah. we're, we're breeding a kid that eventually will never be able to fend for himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or have even a, and you see this in your practice, just a healthy, discussion about your own needs instead of just throwing a tantrum. Yeah, and, and they're great at throwing tantrums. I, I hear time and time again examples of someone saying, you know, my kid treats me like I'm their credit card. Yeah. Um, and all they, I matter to them is whether I'm going to pay this for them or I'm going to buy the, their next pair of shoes or, or whatever. And there, there's a lot of frustration that parents are feeling out there trying to figure out how to do this. You think it's... What is it like? Like boundaries? What's happening to us? I guess especially over the last twenty to thirty years, what's happening to I, us as parents? So maybe it's, it's making us more fearful. Well, I think I think there's a problem where parents are dissolving the boundaries that exist between the hierarchies that should exist. You know, parents need to be at a different hierarchical level than their kids. Right? Kids are below their parents, and. Uh, kids don't like that. Yeah. From the second a kid is born, its its goal is to get you to do what they want. Yeah. From the second they're crying in that crib until you come and pick them up or crying until you hold them. Right. And if you sit down, they're going to cry again until you stand back up. Yeah. And you're almost in training. You're teaching that. Absolutely. So the parents are uh, enabling that to happen from the second the kid comes out of the womb. Yeah. And and. I, I typically suggest to parents, you know, when you're looking at, at a kid that is having problems or they're having these problems with being entitled, you've got to look at yourself. What are you what are you giving in yeah. to? And and how are you enabling these things to happen? Parents don't realize it and they don't want to admit right. it. But honestly, in my opinion, they're the biggest culprit. Oh, don't you? Oh, totally. And it's and you can ask, what are you afraid of? I mean, there's something they're afraid of. And ironically, they know more than anybody in the room knows why they're too afraid to push on their kid to do homework. They, and they know. I mean, they may yeah. not know, but they, if they started some investigation, they, and especially if they bought the idea that they're the reason this is happening. Yeah, they don't want to buy that. No. They don't want Nobody to buy wants that. To it's buy not our this. fault. It's, well, not, it's not our kid's fault. It's the, but there's going to be a check, right? Fault. The check's eventually going to come. And when the check <laughs> comes, it's either going to be now with our kids or it's going to be later yeah. with someone else. Yep. And hopefully the parents won't bail them out then too. Well, right? they will, right? Yeah. Oh, these rascally kids. <laughs> but, you know, kids come to expect that they no, just right. they get what they yeah. want. Well, developmentally, they're self-centered. Their goal is self – it's them. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they don't have to be responsible for them, mm -hmm. you know, and because uh, parents don't, don't make them be responsible enough early that's enough. Right. Well, and that's a huge thing that I guess a lot of – and you've been talking a lot about human development theory that – the, the role – these children have to become socialized and have to learn. Yeah. And they learn by watching and they learn by role-playing and they learn by, by taking you know, roles on. And 
it's interesting if if the parents don't play the role of the parent, which is why they need to be up in the hierarchy. Right. Then the children don't learn a, a sense of responsibility. They almost think that they're equals. And if if Absolutely. a five year old thinks we're equal, or a ten year old thinks we're equal, or a fifteen year old developmentally thinks we're equal, developmentally you're never going to learn what it's what it is like to be a parent. Absolutely, and that's a big problem because parents, you know, they're they're getting stuck trying to be their kid's best friend. Right. They're getting stuck trying to be chummy with yeah. their kids, or just my kid wants to play, so I have to do what they yeah. want. Some are even dressing like them, by the way. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's always fun to see. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. love that. They say like father like son, right? That's well, what they it's, say. it's true, totally. right? Scary. Yeah. But true. So we we need this and this is a as a parent, I guess one of the messages you you want to directly say is hey, you're you're a problem here. Absolutely. How do we know? Okay, give us like a quick rundown of how do we know if our child's entitled? Like, what are some telltale signs that you've got a problem? <laughs> I mean, there's the obvious, but what are some that you see? Well, a big one for parents, if you feel like you're just giving in too much. I mean, think to yourself. Do you, do you think, well, boy, they're asking for this, really? I just yeah. did this for them. Yeah. Don't they realize? You know, uh, if parents feel like their kids don't understand the sacrifices that they're making, that's another big sign for them. Yeah. Um, and if their conversations and interactions with their kids are about what their kids want, that's a problem. Most of the interactions should just be about them being their parent. Yeah. About talking to them about what they're learning and, and teaching them. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be about... We mistake it that if we become their friend, we'll get more information. Right. Which we might, but what they won't get is a role model. Absolutely. And they won't get a boundary. Friends don't tend to put a ton of boundaries on you. They don't. Nor are they they're always... There they're not be, your role model. They're fair weather, right? Uh-huh. They're there right. to to be what you want them to be. Yeah. And and so a parent's role is not to be their kid's friend. A parent's role is to be their parent. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean they have to be mean to them, mm-hmm. um, but they do need to have some boundaries, and and their kids need to understand they just can't have anything and everything that they want. Well, and, and I guess they could if they wanted to go earn it. But see, that, I, that's one of the things parents for her, forever have said, well, I don't know. How are you going to do that, son? <laughs> I really want a car dad. Wow, I do too, son. How are you going to get yours? Yeah. I've got a job. I mean, you can always work with them to create a plan where they can sure. earn it. Sure, because, you know, you're teaching kids responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Maybe but that's too, not happening enough. No. And that's I maybe it's too, enough. it's just, that's harder. It's easier for me to just get my child in a payment for a car and expect him to pay $100. I'll pay the rest. And because we need a car. And... Then we're already in the trap. Right. They're not learning how to pay. They're not sure. learning the obligation. They're not taking the responsibility. Sure. And, and they're not even learning to delay it. Sure. Maybe it's because the parents don't delay either. We can't delay the gratification. That's, that's a big problem. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I think uh, in general as a society, we're too focused on what's in it for me. So we, yeah. we expose our kids to that. The yeah. kids see us get the, the latest version of every yeah. smartphone. And, yeah. and, you know, they think, well, why can't I have that? Well, son, you didn't go to school forever, and you didn't do this, and you didn't do this. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's an interesting scenario. But, you know, one thing I think is important to mention is that most parents think about this as a teen thing that starts in the teen years. Yeah. It doesn't. It starts early on. Yeah. It's almost like it it just gets really ugly. It's like like a blood sport in the teen years. When they're younger, it's just kind of like an annoying little irritation. Yeah. Yeah. But then by the time they're a teenager, it's like a major infection. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of, you know, it's no longer exactly. an irritant. It's now like 
gangrenous. It's <laughs> ugly. That sounds like we're putting down teens. But we're going to come back and talk about that uh, with Dr. Jonathan Swinton. We're going to get into some tools specifically. What do you need to be doing as parents? How do you say no? How do you push back, set boundaries? You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show. We'll give you all those ideas and uh, hopefully a leg up on how to deal with the entitlement generation. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. Thinking Aloud invites thoughtful thinkers and creators to share their insights into the ideas and art in the world around us. Whether it's music, medicine, sport, science, or literature, Brigham Young University scholars can share eye-opening ideas and stimulating conversation on all. Join our host, Marcus Smith, for discussion and exclusive interviews weekdays at 1.30 and 8.30 Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Citigroup is cutting 11,000 jobs and absorbing a $1 billion tax charge in the final quarter of the year. The CEO of the third largest bank in the U.S. says this is a logical move during a period of transformation for the bank. The devastating news comes at a tumultuous time for Citigroup. The former CEO was forced to step down just last month, a day after higher-than-expected third-quarter earnings were reported. While City cuts back, Starbucks is looking to expand the company's already large presence in the U.S. with plans to add 1,500 new cafes over the next five years. Company officials also expect to have over 20,000 total locations worldwide by 2014. Much of the global growth of the brand is expected to come from an ever-expanding Chinese market, which is on track to overtake Canada as the company's second biggest market. Republican Speaker of the House John Boehner is criticizing President Barack Obama once again for not getting serious about averting the fiscal cliff. With the president dismissing the latest GOP proposal, Boehner says it's now up to the White House to come up with a solution if the administration is actually focused on avoiding automatic spending cuts and tax hikes. Apparently, the two leaders have not spoken in over a week and there has been no communication between their respective staffs for days. New York police have charged a man with second-degree murder after he supposedly pushed a man to his death in front of an oncoming subway train. The victim's last moments were captured on a highly controversial cover photo published by the New York Post. Authorities say the suspect is a homeless man with a history of psychiatric problems. Witnesses report the man was talking to himself and arguing with the victim just before he pushed him in front of the train. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend. We're talking about entitlement and the entitlement generation. What are you doing, parents, to your children? You are messing them up. And we're going to come back in a minute with our expert, Dr. Jonathan Swinton, who's a licensed marriage family therapist. But before we do, we got to bring in our producer, Bryce Tobin. Now, Bryce Tobin has found that commercials can give people some warped ideas about the world. 
In fact, he even believes that some commercials do more damage than they intended. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. So, does anyone else feel ashamed of their generation? Well, I have a lot of reasons, but all the marketing we get really irritates me. Now, in my opinion, the right sort of advertisements call your attention to a product that has a reasonable price for the quality that it offers. Cheap marketing does anything but that. It's a classic misdirect. Don't pay attention to the ridiculous price and the low quality. Here's why we think you should buy this. Frankly, I think my generation is just bad at being consumers, but I found that jewelry slogans really exemplify what I'm getting at with this. In their advertising, when they say things like, she deserves the best, or she'll know how much you really care. I try to roll my eyes as loudly as I can. Really? Jewelry's the secret when it comes to love? This whole time I thought I was showing her how much I cared by doing things like being kind, supporting her when things get rough, and going out and having a fun night on the town. My bad. What was I thinking? But now it just makes so much sense spending too much money on overpriced old rocks that have been cut and glued onto soft metals that were hammered into circles. What was I doing before this? No wonder I'm so unlucky in love. And how can someone deserve jewelry? The real problem when words like need and deserve are linguistically abused like this, it starts becoming a right in my generation's mind. It's because we're dumb, and I apologize for that, but here we are, time to make the best of things. Rights are things that you need, and without them, your chances of survival would be impacted. Things of this nature are covered in the UN's Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and I read it, and strangely enough, there was no mention of jewelry. We can even go more basic. Will jewelry keep you warm? Will it keep you safe? Can you eat it? Of course you can't. In fact, jewelry often calls unwanted attention to you, which can adversely affect your safety. Brings a whole new meaning to the phrase, you're worth it, now doesn't it? Okay, that was a little too dark, even for me. Now, I'm picking on jewelry because it's totally unnecessary, but really this can go for any item that isn't necessary for survival. And keep in mind, businesses are designed to make money. There's nothing wrong with that, but they know what's up. They know that they need to give you a reason to buy their product, and they know that sometimes appealing to reason will not work. So what do they do? They appeal to your pride. Essentially, they say, hey, you think you're pretty awesome, right? Why don't you prove it by buying some of this junk? And what do we do? We buy it. Or worse, my generation makes daddy buy it. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Good stuff, Bryce Tobin. Um, again, I loved his line. Uh, you ever been just, what was it, uh, embarrassed by your generation? <laughs> that is a good line. Yeah, sad. Uh, there's, there's probably only a few generations that weren't too embarrassed by their generation. <laughs> Most of us are like, oh, he's my age? Ugh. Anyway, we're coming back with Dr. Jonathan Swinton. He uh, is the founder of Swinton Counseling and is a licensed marriage family therapist. He has a Ph.D. in marriage and family therapy uh, and really, I think, has a good good angle on um, this entitlement problem. It's fear. Sure. And it, I think a lot of it's just ignorance. It's kind of like... Maybe we don't know what we're doing as parents. Like maybe we think we're because it seems fairly obvious that we should say no. It, it does seem obvious, but in the moment, it's easier to say yes. Yeah, much easier. Yeah. And I think a lot of us don't have a clue what our no's or our yeses are. Yeah. Like, do I like what's the long term impact? I, should, should I do Facebook or should I go teach my kids this lesson? <laughs> I'll do Facebook. Yeah. Or whatever it is. But what are some tools? What are the things we should be doing? 
to make sure that our children are not being raised with this entitlement mentality? Well, the first thing I think you've got to do is change your mindset. The first tool is you've got to realize the buck stops with you. Whenever a parent brings a kid in and they, they drop them off at my office and tell me to fix them for yeah. them. I'll um, be back in 45 minutes. i got to yeah. go shopping. I, I send the kid home and tell the parents to come back yeah. because that's where the change happens is with the parents. And so if you're having a problem with your kid, you've got to think, what do I need to do mm-hmm. to change this? So that's the first important thing. You've got to right. have that mindset. Right. In fact, by the way, I, I, had a, uh, I had a client ask me, um, their, their son is addicted, their teenage boy is addicted to pornography. And, you know, it's a big deal. Sure. And it's a struggle for a lot of parents. It's horrible. And, and adults. And she goes, um, she says, so I kind of feel like I should maybe take away the phone and the, where he's accessing it and, you know, take him, not let him use the computer. But I... I don't want to be that hard. And I look at her like, what? Yeah. Are you serious? He's bleeding to death. He's dying. Now, let's get him to an expert and then let the expert tell you. But let's go get an expert on pornography addiction. But until then, let's just take away his junk. Take away his phone. Take away his stuff. But there's that hesitancy, that fear of. He's hurting already. Yeah. I don't want to hurt anymore. People don't want to hurt and disappoint their kids. Right. But the fact is if, if, if you enable these entitlement issues, they're going to be hurt worse later. Yeah. Um, and they're going to kick and they're going to scream. They're going to cry. That's, that's what kids do. That's their job. Right. They're, they stamp their feet to get what they want. <laughs> right. And because sometimes it works. And if you make sure it doesn't work that way. Yeah, shut that down. <laughs> that's exactly what you got to yeah. shut down. So I encourage parents to set some boundaries. Choose the handful of things that need to have boundaries around them. Give us some examples because it seems like, you know, internet use, stuff like that, that has an obvious boundary. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Grades. You know, grades, yeah. You're doing your schoolwork yeah. may, may be a boundary. I think a huge one is, is respect. Mm. T, you know, the, the, the kids need to learn to respect their parents. They need to learn to respect each other. Um, they need to re- learn to respect the money that yeah. comes in and out of the house. Don't you think that, that there's a huge boundary about money, about spending, about earning? Yeah. It's a big deal. It's, it's a huge deal. And so, you know, every kid's different. But if you're struggling with your kid and you've identified the things you don't like and that aren't going well, set some boundaries around that thing. Don't set boundaries around that thing and 25 other things. Pick, right. pick the things that a few of them to work on right now. Yeah. And then set, set the rules and boundaries around it and then make sure you win every single time. Now, that sounds like, oh, that is so ne- – because you're not supposed to win every time, John. You're not. <laughs> but you're like, yeah, you are. Well, but, but the issue is if you win 95%, the kids remember that yeah. other 5%. And yeah. they are going to kick and scream yeah. and do whatever they can until they get that 5% back And they have much again. more to gain than you do. Yeah. They, they've got everything to gain if they can break you down. And they're the a lot more thing. patient oh, than you right. are, too. <laughs> well, that's right. And you're tired and you're old. So they, they know that they can just keep pounding away. Yeah. Whining, whining, whining. My yeah. kids know it. If my kids <clears throat> fight with each other long enough, someone's going to get in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. They, because they've got to rattle the cage enough. Yeah. But you're saying win, and you're not saying that you I'm can't not be understanding. About we're trying to beat our kids on this yeah, issue. We've losing. got to, you really have to hold to the line. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And, and it's easier. You don't have to feel so bad about it. You pick, pick the handful of things you yeah. need to hold the line yeah. on. And if you're having entitlement issues with your kid, you may have to hold the line on a few more things than you think you need to. Because right. if there's some entitlement issues there, then you're probably not putting the line down enough. Yeah. Isn't that it's, – it's, it's interesting too. Maybe what we do is we also think that we have to tie down 
a lot of these areas soon. I mean, it seems like to me, I may not tie down my curfew for my kids at first. I may just say, be respectful. Sure. We can't sleep till you're home. <laughs> and and then maybe we can tie it down. I mean, because I'm just thinking there's five things. If if internet or security or money and grades and you might already be. So then all of a sudden adding curfew, cars, all these right. other 10 things that you got to add, maybe just be sparing about it. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't mean you're never going to work on no, those I mean, things. Yeah, we can just, talk about just it. Just decide maybe for the next six months you're going to work on these these specific issues, yeah. the, the biggest and loudest ones, mm-hmm. until those get a little bit under control. And then shift your focus to something else. And you can't do it in the fight. So you, this, you're saying have these conversations <laughs> Outside of the realm of the moment. Absolutely. And get your kids sold on what those boundaries are. Make them feel like they're helping to decide the boundaries. Mm -hmm. Even though you as the parents have the should be the ones really setting them. Help them help help them get buy in and help them get buy in on what happens if they don't follow them. And maybe the the benefits if they do. Yeah. And and let them tell you what happens. So what should happen to you if you come home at twelve oh five when you said you'd be here at twelve? What should the consequence be? They'll usually tie themselves down. <laughs> they do. With and a really know, ugly My consequence. experience has been, yeah, they, they tend to pick tougher consequences yeah. than you might have. Shave my head, Dad. You can <laughs> shave my head. <laughs> now, and then, don't take the bait. Unless you really want to shave a head, yeah. don't say yes but, to that. But then in the moment when, when you, you hold that line with them, you say, well, you broke the rule. This yeah. is the consequence. They, they can't say, that's yeah. not fair. Well, they came up with it. Yeah. They were sold on. They agreed to it. I love that. And they're still going to cry. They're still going to be upset. It's their job, but, right? But you know, you're being a good parent by helping them learn to learn. Oh, so. I mean, and you're, yeah, you're helping them learn to negotiate life and yeah, consequences absolutely. and reality. You know, and there's something you said a, a, a minute ago that I thought was so great and how you can teach your kids with this, highlighting to them how you as parents relate to what's going on with them. You were late coming home, so I had to stay up late and I was yeah. worried about you and I've got to get up early yeah. tomorrow. When they understand how what they're doing impacts you mm-hmm. and other people, yeah. the, it teaches them to learn to respect that. And that is another important lesson that needs to be learned that isn't. And tie it time. back to that discussion you had about respect. Like if the, if, if the issue is never tied to your life too and how it impacts me and that principle of respect we were talking about. Yeah. So if I can always draw it back to the principle. Yeah. Here's the principle. That's... The principle is not being home at midnight. The principle is responsibility. Absolutely. It's respect and you, tie it to your principle. You get the leverage working on the principle. The yeah. behavior is only a manifestation of the principle. Mm-hmm. So don't focus on the behavior. We always get caught up. In Absolutely. It. Yeah. And and that we also seem maybe accusatory. One of the little tricks I've learned is um, be more descriptive. So that's why I like using I like using that. 1205. You said you'd be here at 12. We made a rule that if you weren't here at 12, we'd shave your head. So I've got <laughs> – let me just grab the razor and let's get going because daddy's sleeping. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the best consequence. <laughs> let's pick some natural yeah. consequences yeah. that maybe natural it means one. next week their, their curfew is set to 10 yep. because they yep. came in late we'll this week. 10. Right. Yeah. So when you're setting consequences, it is a good rule of thumb in setting these boundaries to make the consequences related to the offense. So, so like a beating – isn't related. <laughs> it's ne- not related never. to your timing. Never. Isn't that funny? But that's that's kind of how reactive we are as parents. We think, well, it's related because yeah, my so, dad used yeah. to be. But no, we don't. No, that we work. tie it to curfew. Curfew to curfew. Car to car. Right. Cell phone to cell phone. Cell phone to cell phone. Money to money. Grade to grade. Absolutely. And you know, and one thing that I think would also help parents is they've got to not be afraid of making mistakes. There's been a ton of research done. Kids are pretty resilient oh, with parent mistakes. Sure. And you know. 
if you try something and it doesn't work or it hurts your kids' feelings or whatever, you know, you learn from it Mm -hmm. and try something else next time. But kids are going to be resilient to that. And so parents shouldn't be afraid that if they don't do this or they do this, that it's going to ruin everything because, you know, it probably won't. And no child's the same. So you're going to – if you have five, I have six. I have to conquer this – beast six times. There's not There's not just one way. <laughs> Definitely not. You know, parents need to set separate boundaries for every single kid. Yeah. They should set separate rules. They should set different consequences, yeah. separate rewards for everyone. It's their development. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, I always like to think, so developmentally, a young kid, you know, can play with a little matchbox car and can also play with like a big horse. Mm-hmm. And those two can work in his brain. <laughs> he can handle the the weird sizes and the guy driving the little car can still be riding the big horse. Kids' brains can handle that up to an age. Then they become like us and we start judging and evaluating everything. Um, It's the parents that can. So they can handle you struggling through and figuring this out and yeah. and um it's still worth doing yeah i always talk about with people you know we're as parents we're just big kids yeah we're learning through this just like they are right and so try things try them for a while give them enough time to see if they work and if they don't then try something else yeah. and you know the kids will be okay yeah and they'll be benefited by the fact you tried yeah you know um you know what else helps I've noticed too are the kids helping the kids. So when when you when you get buy-in and it works with one kid, that kid can then go teach the next child. <laughs> Hell, you wouldn't believe what dad did to us when we were kids. <laughs> I mean, that's a really powerful discussion that you don't even have to have. I mean, I have a son right now that's like if you give these kids cell phones, I will kill you, dad, cuz we didn't get a cell phone until we were and um it's really powerful. Now the the kids are teaching the kids yeah. instead of me. So and I they don't see have to the be other kid guy. going right. through, you know, the fact that they lost their cell phone or the oh. fact that they had to go and clean the toilets or that whatever. I mo- don't want to be that. So that's the best leverage I've ever had. Yeah, seriously, the best leverage I've ever had is you made the deal about yeah. the cell phone. You're yeah. the ones that connected cell phones to grades. Yeah. So I guess we won't have our cell phones this quarter. <laughs> what? Yeah, you're so mean. I know I am. Except it was their idea. So what else? Uh, give us, give us just what, a couple more ideas. Sure. You know, one other big one that I think is it, it, is one that is often met with resistance when I talk to parents is you've got to be selective with your commitments that you're allowing your kids yeah. to make. Um, I I can't tell you how many hours I spend working with couples who are frustrated and strung out by taking their kid to the twelve soccer practices and totally. music lessons and debate squad thing, you know, right, everything. Right. And and so parents, they feel like they're stifling their kid by not allowing them to go to every single tournament, to participate in every single little thing they want to do. Right. But, you know, I encourage parents, pick one thing. Pick one thing your kid can be good at. And that's going to be enough. Yeah. They may want other things. Their friends may be doing other things. But they need to learn to respect your time, your money, yeah. their own time Each and one resources. Of Each one of those are a lesson yeah. for these kids, right? I mean, and discipline. Yeah. And we're not going to do everything. And I mean, these are all lessons that kids need to learn. They are. They and, are. And, and we don't even have them. And just giving in to whatever they want isn't yeah. teaching them that. No. And especially then you're exhausted, which makes you not teach anymore. You're, now you're too exhausted to teach. <laughs> now you really need a Facebook break. <laughs> and, exactly. And so it's, it's the spiral, isn't it? Then yeah. we say yes, and then we can't ever say no. Yeah. And yet we're exhausted, so we end up saying no, which is why I think we feel guilty because yeah. we've said no 
in the times we should have been saying yes, and we were yeah. saying yes when we should be saying no. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. the hard part. Yeah. And sometimes disappointing your kids is the best lesson they'll ever learn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to be a brute. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely but, not. But better now they learn disappointment and coping skills and knowing that you'll always be there. And I'll be there when it doesn't work out for you. When you lose your phone for two months, I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> I will be here with you for two straight Because that months. will be devastating for That's them. so true. That, that will be. Uh, so, Jonathan, give us one more. What's one more thing? What's the one thing that is the big thing when it comes to entitlement? Well, you know, let's go back to that first thing I talked about that I said was a big thing is fear. You know, we've talked about a few things around fear, but, you know, parents, don't be afraid of your kids. You know, if you really come down to yeah. get it gets down to it, we, we do so many things because we're afraid of them. We're afraid of what's going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, you're their parent. You know best. And you can take them. Yeah. So trust like, yourself. Like, yeah. That's the problem is they don't. We don't trust ourselves. No. Trust, trust your spouse. So persuasive. Or trust their parent. Their, uh-huh. you know, their mother or father uh-huh. if, if you're not still married, you know? Yeah. That's We're, a big deal. Yeah. The fear. And maybe go dive into your own fear. Absolutely. You, you could dissect for yourself. What are – why am I giving into this? What yeah. is it I'm really afraid of? It probably isn't about mm-hmm. what we think it's really about. Right. It never is, is it? <laughs> <laughs> you see that every day in your office. Uh, yeah. And how many times do you teach that? I mean you're, just, you're yeah. teaching it all. It's not yeah. about what you're chasing. Yeah. It may, it, maybe it's about you. Do you mm-hmm. really expect your kid's going to become the next Major League Soccer yeah. star or whatever? Yeah. And are you doing it for you? And he's not. No. He won't. And even if he is – you know, there aren't that many of them. They That's don't right. make that much money. And they don't live very long. <laughs> so, I mean, that is so true. Good stuff. Really, it is good stuff. And um appreciate you. So they can find you at Swinton Counseling. Where is it? SwintonCounseling.com. Yeah. com. Dr. Jonathan Swinton. Check him out. He's got great stuff. And he's – he really – I'm sure he'd take questions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have people call me with questions all the time. I'm happy to. (laughs) That's what I do. Good stuff. Appreciate you being here, Dr. Jonathan Swinton, really. And we're going to have you back and uh, find more problems to have you dissect. So appreciate it. We're going to come back, take a little break here, wrap up the show. Uh, Thanks for listening. um, We couldn't do it without you. You listen to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. latest secret weapon for yacht racers uses robotic vision to set a perfect sail. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. The Quantum Company makes sails for sailboats, and they also do a lot of yacht racing, where you fight for every last scrap of performance. The races Quantum enters are won by tenths of a second by being able to sail just one degree closer to the wind than the competition. Traditionally, a crewman on the boat observes existing weather and sea conditions, looks at the sail, and adjusts it to make the best airfoil shape from moment to moment. Now, Quantum has added a digital crew member called VSPARS. It's a computer that uses cameras to look up at three large stripes on the sail and record the sail shape in 3D from moment to moment. The computer below deck crunches a lot of data and sends back recommendations to the crew on exactly where, when, and how much to adjust the sail to make the perfect airfoil for every moment and condition of the race with astounding precision. 
The company then brings their data home to help guide them as they design their next version of race-winning sales. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Have your team join ours and become a sponsor of Cougar Sports on BYU Radio and BYU TV. For details, call 801-422-1448 or email corporate support at byu.edu. Go Cougars! Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, we're wrapping up the show on Entitled Children, and we thought what better way to do that than to have a little game. And the game we're going to call it Your Child Might Be Spoiled. Madison Allred is with us. Now, Madison, you got a little quiz quiz? Yes, I do. So do you want to go with the first question? Yes. Hit it. Right. I'm ready. Because my so- kids, I know spoiled children. <laughs> and it's because I was one. I was the youngest of four and I was the only boy, spoiled rotten. Uh huh. And then we have six kids, and they're spoiled. So I have mastered the spoiled. <laughs> okay. So you know, if your kids see something on TV, and the first option is they ask if they can get those Polly Pockets for Christmas. Absolutely not. Or you know, they're watching Top Gear with their dad, and when they see the Lamborghini Gallardo, they start to throw a fit, saying that they want that car. Okay, but I'd probably get them that. You, you oh, probably anyway. would. No, no Polly Pockets. Are there more? No Pollys. <laughs> I had a lot of Pollys in my house. <laughs> Polly Pockets. So, you know, when you're cleaning up the dinner table and when, you know, you ask them to help you out, they say, do I have to? <sighs> or I've actually had this happen to me. They give you a glare, say, no, that's what mommy's here for, and walk off. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's those are spoiled kids. Yeah, you know what you say though. This is the coolest thing. I don't say anything. I, I go, you don't want to, and they're like, no. And I'm like, honey, bring the taser, and they're like, right on it. It is the coolest thing, and it's not even violent. It's just a threat of violence. Just, a, just a threat. See, those are spoiled kids. But those mm-hmm. actually, my kids have they've never said mom will do it, but they've said the first one. Do I have to? Well, see, really, that's normal. I think that's normal. You know, it's totally normal. I think it's because. You know, why should people. I have to? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't eat. I didn't eat that. I didn't drink out of that cup. Exactly. So why do I have to do it? Why do yeah. I have to pick up mm-hmm. that cup? Okay, give me more. This is easy. So when you're in a restaurant and they start screaming because they want to get that ice cream sundae right now, or you know your kid just can't decide what they want. Okay, then right now is a entitled kid mm-hmm. wants it right now. By the way, why are we taking these kids to restaurants? See, that's something I've learned. You never take them out to eat. Mm-hmm. If we can't eat, you just it in put the them car, at the other table, right? At well, a I would table. love to, but then they always end up coming over, and it's embarrassing. <laughs> so uh, the first one, give me those again, because uh, so, one of them was spoiled. The yeah, one, they start screaming because they can't yeah. get the that's spoiled. Scream, yeah. But then, the other one just is indecisive. Yeah. You know what I just think is funny is like even to this day, my parents won't take our family out to eat. Smart. Yeah. It's expensive. And like, yeah. And it's embarrassing. Well, for them, it's just like for me and my brother, we can pretty much – we can eat whatever. Yeah. You know, we like everything. But the other ones, it's like pizza or McDonald's. There really? you go. <laughs> See, the only way we can get our kids out to eat is we just have to – we don't tell them where we're going and then we just pull into a place. 
I and, hated when my parents did that. And then they just start, no, we don't, no, no, no. And we're like, we just walk in. And they eventually come in. Yeah. I've had kids sit in the car. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had people so come funny. and say, um, I think one of your children is stuck in the car. I'm no. like, oh, no, he's fine. He can come out anytime. <laughs> he just doesn't want to eat here. That's so funny. Isn't that sad? See, like, I just don't get it. It's like, oh, you're out to eat. You try whatever, you know. See, but you're an angel. Oh, shucks. My, ch- my children, they won't know. In fact, our orders are all so special that the only one that can actually decipher the code is my wife. <laughs> She'll say, Kay, do you want to pick something up on the way home? I'm like, sure. And then it's basically, do you have a pen? Because this is going to get real complicated in about one minute. <laughs> not crazy? Yeah. Any other quizzes, tests? Um, so when you pick your kid up from school... And hold it. Who's picking kids up? See, these kids are entitled. I <laughs> know. They should walk. And they say that you need to sign this field trip permission slip right now because, you know, they forgot to give it to you yeah. two weeks ago. And pretty much you need to sign it in the next five seconds so that they can run into the teacher. Or they complain that the heated seats in your car are not warming up fast enough. Okay, one of those is an entitled child. <laughs> oh, well, it's just normal. Isn't that you know, sad? Kids always forget, you know, field trip permission slips. Yeah. But. Yeah, heated but, seats. I don't. My family no. don't don't own no. cars that have heated seats. By the way, greatest way on earth to lose weight: heated seats. <laughs> really? I sweat everywhere I go oh, now. So- <laughs> I sweat, and um, I lose a pound in sweat just uh, driving to work today. Oh yeah, it's messy. That might be a little gross, Matt. It's gross, but you know what? I'm not entitled. Yeah, Actually, you're I roughing am, it. I am roughing entitled. it in the heated seat car. So parents out there, you know what? It's on you. Tag, you're it. It's time to stop the entitlement generation. Let's start pushing back a little bit. Get some boundaries. You can always love them and discipline them. We hope it helped. Join us again tomorrow. we got another great topic for you tomorrow. Stick with us. And uh, remember, you have a choice as a parent to uh, be a great role model. And a great privilege, by the way, to have your children. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.